Where Ideas Launch, the podcast for the unexpected innovator. We are all incredibly creative, but maybe we've forgotten how. I've spent my career working with people from more than 150 countries, traveling the world, and experiencing cultures. And what I found? Creativity is everywhere. We've got a gargantum challenge facing us, as we need to redesign a more sustainable planet. This podcast explores modern-day innovation in the age of sustainability. I'll interview some of the most prolific thinkers, creators, and educators on their journey to create sustainable incomes and businesses. My guests and I will teach you how to be creative, create business models, and explore curiosity with the courage to level up in your career. Join me every Wednesday for a new edition of Where Ideas Launch, the podcast. Welcome to our episode. Today, our guest is Nima Amin. Nima serves as a coach, advisor, and sounding board to founders and entrepreneurs, helping them to reach their vision by defining the fine details and merging this with the clarity and core values to achieve their version of success. By the age of five, Nima lived in three different countries, spoke three languages fluently, and was a regular guest accompanying her dad to work. She knows what it takes to build something from the ground up. Welcome to the show, Nima. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. It's wonderful to share another forum with you. So <laughs> Nima, Nima and I are business partners in Collectively Driven, and this is a group designed for people who are underrepresented um, and who want to grow businesses that they love and purpose-driven businesses. And one of the things that we go through in this group is that journey of going from idea to CEO. And this is what we're going to be talking to you about today. So this session is going to be a little bit more fluid and a little bit more mixed between Nima and myself. Typically, we like to start with mission. And I wanted to know from your perspective, how important is the mission in getting your, your idea to grow? It's incredibly important because if you don't know why you want to start something and what you are aiming to grow, then you have no foundation, essentially. Um, your business, your idea, it's, it's a combination of your, your values, your, um, your desires. It's mixing the sort of financial <laughs> alongside the responsible. So your mission essentially encompasses all of those things. I totally agree. I, I like to call it a question. So it's really about the question, the problem that you want to solve in the world is formed by a question, um, which you then need to tailor somehow. And this is when we get into the jobs to be done or the problems to be solved for your customers. So, and I like, I like to poke on this bit a bit because often we want to solve a problem that we have imagined exists, but maybe that's not the only way to do it. Exactly. And I think when, when we start out as entrepreneurs, we, we have a desire to execute on a product or a service because we are really excited about it. It's something that we want to do. And starting out, most entrepreneurs, myself included, actually going out there and talking to people about it is really scary because what if somebody tells you it's rubbish or people aren't interested? You're not also ready to hear that's a terrible idea. I don't think you should go forward with it, but it saves you so much time by actually going and asking those really tough questions at the beginning, as opposed to getting 
you know, much further down the line, getting absorbed by your idea and finding that it doesn't solve a problem or it's not an idea that your audience is ready for right now. They need something before that idea to get them to your actual idea. So you've got to think about it from lots of different perspectives. Absolutely, I agree. And I think one of the one of the safest ways to approach this is kind of looking at the the job that your customer is trying to get done, you know, within the context of the idea that you have, but the job the customer is trying to get done, what problems are they facing with that job? And, and the way to go about this is to get into the market research. And I think a lot of people are daunted by market research. And I think it's where most entrepreneurs fail. I don't know what your thoughts are. Absolutely, 100%. I am yet to um, work with a client that doesn't that has done the market research and is excited about the market research. I guess I'm the little bit of the freak who could stay in the research and analysis forever because that's my background. That's how I started my work. Um, but most people are so excited to move on and actually bring their idea, their product to life that they feel that they themselves are the research, that they know that this is what the market wants. And unfortunately, you have to ask the market. And as an entrepreneur, as you know, you've got to be pretty thick skinned to hear you're not good at this, or I guess it's not you, not you're not good at this, your service or your product, it's not good for me. But I guess people don't quite phrase it that way. Do you know what the market research, it, it's tough because it's a process. And most people don't like to follow a process. As an entrepreneur, you think you just go and do things. You don't. There's a strategy behind it. Um, it's a structured approach. You, you can start small by not going out and talking to people. You can do the book work around it. But at some stage, you've got to go and talk to your potential customers to find, do I actually solve a problem or am I the problem? And I need to find a different idea to solve a different problem. Absolutely. And I think that there are... There are ways that this daunts you as well, because if you don't find the right client to speak to about the idea, you can get misinformation, right? So you can get either false endorsement or false discouragement. So this is why, you know, when we get into, when we get deeper into this whole concept and in the development of your, of your idea, you really need to start thinking about niche and ideal client and about finding the places where your niche is or where your ideal clients hang out. Absolutely. So when you are doing your research, um, I generally recommend that you keep all your questions really open-ended. People like talking. There's nothing that people like doing better than talking about themselves, about their um, issues that they're trying to solve. So don't box them in by asking, do you want this or do you want that? Um, no tick boxes, keep it open-ended. Um, the idea behind niching is that you can't solve a problem really, really well if you are trying to solve it for 10 different clients that will have 10 slightly different issues. Um, the idea of niching is really getting into that crux of who is that client that has these characteristics, that has these issues that I can really focus on and create a product or service that is perfect, that they will sing and dance about buying from me. That is niching and finding your perfect client. 
Absolutely. And I, I also think that with the open-ended, you could still get things wrong because when people phrase things in a certain way, there's an interpretation issue. Um, yeah. So I, I like the idea of having a prototype, uh, minimum viable product. And, you know, people look at me like, you know, I'm not building a product sometimes, you know, so why do I need to do this? What's this MVP about, you know? Um, but I think it's also relevant to service-based in industries and companies and, and ideas um, of coming up with a beta, right? So coming up with a small version that you can test and really get the true feedback. Yeah, um, I guess it's, it's working in an agile way because you are, you're a solo business or a partnership. So you can react to the feedback that you get from your clients, um, even in the beta version of, I didn't like this, but I think I'd like more of that. So you can adapt really quickly. Um, and that's quite difficult for larger corporates to do in sort of traditional um, sort of waterfall methodology that's used, um, which is why they're also moving to agile. So the idea behind the MVP, I think even we've done this in our business where we went in with an idea of these are the kinds of clients we want to serve. And once we started taking action and talking to people, we started molding it a little bit more around those ideal clients. So until you take some action and build out, I guess the building blocks of that MVP, it, it's difficult to move on without spending a lot of time or money on building something that might not be needed. And I think the, the testing and the feedback is also important in terms of capturing it, capturing the, the quality of it, capturing the white space of it right so I think you know a lot of people we look at what's there without looking at what's not there and asking right. the right question about what's not there as well so I think this is also quite an important step in the in the journey I think with most um with most product services you are always looking to um improve, continuously improve on it because you never sit on your product or your service. You always want to make it better. So the question that you can ask is what what could we have done better? What what did you did you feel that it was missing something or what would you like to see more of in the next product? Um, you can be that honest with your customers because if you don't ask the straightforward questions, you're not going to get those answers. Um, they can't read your mind and you clearly cannot read theirs. <laughs> so true. <laughs> true words <laughs> have never been said. <laughs> um, so the next, the next bit, I think that when we're moving through this is you're getting ready to commercialize this thing. So you're really getting ready to, I would say your first tier of scaling. It's not the mass scaling yet, but you're starting to scale the idea into something that's a viable, legitimate item, product, whatever it is. So you kind of need a strategy for that. And, you know, I want, to, I want to tease out a little bit about go-to-market strategy from your perspective, Nima. So I normally recommend having a soft launch because when, when you go all out with that big old launch, I think it puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, it puts a lot of pressure on your product or your service as well to, um, I, I guess I think of it in the big corporate launches if you've got all of this going on and even the corporate world <clears throat> is learning that a soft launch is not the end of the world. So you can soft launch with your MVP um, and that's a way of teasing out what some of your clients um, find useful in that product, 
getting those testimonials at that point as well. If something failed in that product, whether it was your tech or um, part of the service wasn't great, you can improve that and put it into your bigger launch. And you've also got to work backwards from that launch, um, that launch date. So part of your strategy is looking at a, how big your product or your service is. Um, and you can do this in terms of the overall price that you're charging for it, the size of the audience that you're looking at, and work backwards. Um, so I normally recommend anything from two and a half months to sort of start putting information out there. What are you starting to do? What is this product or service about? Start warming up any partners that you're working with. Um, so I did this a lot with partnership-based businesses where you would have your partners going out to their partners to sort of tell them a little bit. And this is when we could do things face-to-face -face over lunch and over coffees that, hey, uh, this client is bringing out this, this new product and it does X, Y, Z. Do you think you, know, you might be interested in it? So getting all parts of your, the arms of your business to start working for you. So you're not doing everything all the time. Absolutely. And I, you know, I love that you mentioned about launching because launching is a big deal. Like it's, and I don't mean to scare you, but, but launching, <laughs> launching really takes, it's really putting all of your effort, consolidating your effort into one space, one channel, and, you know, and, and I don't mean one channel in terms of one media channel, but it is about the effort that you're putting in toward right one thing um and especially if you are well to be honest it, it works for products as well as service-based businesses how you do that launch because if you're a product based you want to make sure that your stock is available in multiple places and multiple points so that once you bring that social media or you leverage whatever media you're using to to do your launch it's all in place for you so there's a lot of pre-work leading up to launch and you really want to make sure that when you're doing your your big splash launch that you have synchronized every possible step of the way right absolutely and also you know if your launch isn't going well and that can happen you can start looking at well, what 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 are the points that are not going well start identifying what's not working where are those issues what can we do to turn this around so if you're not getting interest where are the sticking points is it something to do in your process or are your customers not being reached what is that so that's the other reason for having that launch period over a longer period of time. So you can actually address those issues as you go along. Absolutely. And it, it speaks to your point about being agile as well, you know, exactly. and, and, and almost doing a pre-mortem, as you say. So so working working with what could possibly go wrong here, right? <laughs> what, what are the things that typically happen to other people? And doing that pre-mortem helps to save you some time in the process as well. You know, I, I think a lot of people, when they get to this point, you know, it's like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fly. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get in my wings and I'm gonna fly. Um, and which is great because you're gonna need that optimism. You're definitely gonna need the optimism to carry you through the points when it gets messy. But don't underestimate the the importance of one having a team to support that, but with with which has a probably a different way of thinking. Um, but also in in getting the steps in place so that you can anticipate and really and really see early on when the warning signs come. And I think a big part of this is metrics, right? 
Exactly. I mean, to be honest with you, I think you're taking big corporation thinking and putting it into your small, tiny business. The difference is you are small, so you can be agile and move incredibly fast. There is no, um, you are the decision maker. So you're not, you know, putting it in front of a different board and going through 10 different meetings. You can move that quickly. Um, as to the metrics, you've got to be looking at where, looking at across your channels, where are we doing well? Where are we not doing well that we need um, further reach? This can be organic growth that you're looking at, um, reaching out through collaborations, through partnerships. Uh, and obviously there is the paid route as well, depending on which uh, channel that you're using. Yeah. Also, we can't underestimate the importance of the tech. <laughs> so, so the tech, I mean, regardless of the type of business you run, we all need digital messaging. And part of that is, is the tech that you set up to support your launch. Um, and the tech ranges, right? So you can do chatbots, you can do, um, you know, email marketing, you can do social media, guerrilla marketing. There's so many approaches that you could take, right? But you need to have the tech to leverage this and to scale this, especially when you're a one or two or, you know, a small team of people working on this. Um, any any tech tips that you've had on your journey, Nima? I would say keep it simple, keep it inexpensive to start with, because if you're not bringing anything in, you don't want to be spending thousands and thousands on the tech. Once you've started um, doing your analysis and you've launched, you'll start understanding what kind of tech you actually need to build out this business because what you thought you might need might not be the ideal platform for you. And remember, just as it is in a large corporate, once you're on a platform and you've grown, it is incredibly expensive and complex to move to another platform. So be absolutely sure what, um, what you're buying is actually what you need. But my advice is keep it simple to start with. You don't have to be perfect going out to market. Um, you're nimble, you're small. It's okay to be in, imperfect. Perfection is overrated. I think, I can't remember who said it, um, but there is an entrepreneur that said if you don't look at your first MVP and not be embarrassed, then you should be embarrassed that you're not embarrassed. It should be that ugly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know some of the things that you and I have done, I'm, I look at and I think, oh my God, really? We put this out there. <laughs> but we learn from it. And that's what it is. It's putting yourself out there and learning about it. Absolutely. So once, once we get to that point of we've done our first commercialization, then we need to start thinking about scaling and growth in a, in a really big way. And, and the way that you do that for service and product-based businesses um, could be slightly different. So for product-based businesses, especially, um, and, and especially if you're a sustainable supplier, you really need to think about a lot more things. So you need to think about the ethics involved. You need to think about ethical sourcing and do all of that research if you want to, if you want to have third-party contract manufacture for your product, etc. You know, you need to think about you know who you're working with, wherever they are in the world, and what are the standards, you know, modern slavery and all of these things. So there's a lot of complexity involved in a product-based business when you're looking to start scaling up. Um, and for service businesses, um, it's it's about 
outreach and it's about um, you know connecting with more people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can you should still be doing organic growth. You should still be you know creating those relationships. But as you're growing and expanding, your time is going to become limited. So you need to look at other ways of growing. So this can be through expanding your product range. This can be through, um, I think you're gonna to touch on this, partnerships, collaborations. Um, and I think you touched on a really interesting point about the sort of people that you want to do business with. And even in service-based businesses, there was a client who entered into a partnership with a partner that had questionable ethics. And this is where it gets really tough. Do you want to expand fast and reach that goal? Or do you hold on to your ethics? And that's, I think, a really personal question for every entrepreneur to answer. My answer won't be the same as everybody else's, but um, that there will be tough spots because your desire to grow is going to play with your, with your ethics and your values. Yeah, and I think this almost takes us back to the beginning because it is, it is kind of about that mission that you start with. Who do you want to be as a business owner that will help you through these extremely difficult moments? That's a really good point, I think. Um, so, you know, obviously in big offices, you have the mission statement. You used to have it up on, you know, at reception. Clearly, we can't do that in our home offices. But I think we need to find ways to remind ourselves of what those core values are. Of course, you know what the right thing to do is, but sometimes you need a little nudge. Absolutely. And, and the last point, and by far not the least, is about the whole business development and sales piece. <laughs> and, you know, when, when I talk to solopreneurs and stuff, I think this is easily the biggest challenge anyone faces how to reach more clients, how to convert clients, how to take those leads into funds. It is the toughest bit because nobody, or let's say very few people like doing sales. <clears throat> it's no one likes being sold to. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Um, you know, when you're having a conversation with somebody, as soon as they dip into that conversation of, so um, I, I have this great product and you think, oh, you're going to sell to me. And unfortunately, that is part of it. But this is all part of your building a relationship. Um, you know, you don't go into a conversation saying, so I'm going to sell this to you. You warm up your audience. Um, you warm up those relationships about what you're about. Where do you have some energies? Um, and as you're expanding, you've got to find other ways of of selling other channels. You can't rely on that one-to-one, -one, that one-to-a-few. You've got to be doing that one-to-many. So it's a lot about putting yourself out there. So getting rid of those, working on those sort of mind blocks that you have around selling, it's almost as if you've got to play a different part. You've got to pretend you're somebody else, not actually somebody else, but get in that mode of, okay, I'm, I'm, the super saleswoman and I, I'm gonna knock this out. Because when you just go in as, you know, Nima trying to sell, it's like Nima's hiding under a table, hiding behind her hands and telling you that it's an okay service if you really wanna give me some money for it. But 
Nima, the super saleswoman, is not going to do that. She's going to tell you that, hey, this is a great product. You should be so lucky to be buying this from me. And if you don't buy it, you're missing out. Um, so it's about putting yourself out there. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think I think it's a challenge for, for a lot of people. But it, it's really about, as you say, it's about being authentic in, in what you're selling and in, in, in the value that you bring. Um, and it's so important to step into that and really... Think about your product as you enjoying it, right? So when you when you even come up with whatever messaging you want to message around your product or your service, it's really about stepping into how would I feel, right? What difference yeah. would this make to me if it were me consuming it? And this is this is your your test. It's your litmus test before you even go before someone. How would I feel about paying this much, or um, you know, working in this way, or getting this, this additional bonus or, you know, getting this feature that you want to add to your product, you really need to step into how would I feel um, in addition to all the research that you've done. Um, so this, this helps you to, to become the persona as you talk about. Exactly. If you don't love your product, how can you sell it? So, Absolutely. yeah. So Nima, this was a really wonderful session. Thank you so much for joining us and for having this open conversation. I think it's great that we can share these tips with a lot of people. Um, if you wanna find out more about what we do, you can search for us Collectively Driven on Facebook. We are a group on Facebook. We also, uh, I also have a Women in Sustainable Business group on Facebook that you can also search for. And you can get into these communities and learn about what we're doing and how we're helping businesses to, to grow in these interesting times. Absolutely, perfect, come join us. <laughs> All right, thanks very much for, for joining the show. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you today by the Deeple Virtual Service Hub. The Virtual Service Hub is our digital transformation strategy service that supports startups needing to optimize their processes and their performance to scale up for growth. We also help medium-sized firms in modernizing their operations and our services include sustainable strategy, analytics, and tech enablement. To find out more, contact Catherine Ann Byam on LinkedIn.